0: On this episode from The Vault, the legendary Dr. Maya Angelo. Over the last season on TV One's On Point, we have brought to you some incredible people uh, who are on the cutting edge of political, social, and economic thinking and policies in this country. But as we scale the country and travel around the United States and the world, uh, there's a consistent name that people ask for. When are you going to sit down with and you're about to meet this person? And believe it or not, for all the interviews that we've brought to you on TV Ones On Point, I must tell you, this one is very special because we're about to introduce to some and reintroduce to others, the poet, the author, the singer, the dancer, the scriptwriter, Oh, wow. Uh, she is just one of the most celebrated writers and speakers in the United States. She is consistently on the New York Times bestsellers list. And we travel on location for this very special interview to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to the home of none other than that legendary individual herself, Dr. Maya Angelou. Thank goodness. Welcome. Thank you very much. The TV <coughs> On point. <laughs> When you smile, Dr. Angelo, and I wanna get into your family, uh, but when you smile and you think about your life and God has just so richly blessed you, but in those blessings, you've had challenges. If you think about your life, what would you say were the most difficult and the most challenging years of your life? Why and what do you take from that to make you who you are
1: today? Well, Armstrong, I think every year has been challenging. Every day challenges, truly. Some things, some of the challenges were more public than others. Some so private I couldn't even mention them in public. Some having to do with health. Some having to do with prosperity. Some having to do with romantic love. Some having to do with my family. The same issues which face and beleaguered Uh, every human being in the world have, and still do, have beleaguered me and still do. So that the challenge for me to meet you this morning, to get up defying gravity and stand erect and to remain erect and to be absolutely present with you so that everything I know I have here in this chair with me now, I don't know what you're going to ask me. So I'm challenged to be as honest as possible, as courageous as possible, and as kind as possible. That's what I'm challenged. I was challenged as a young girl at seven years old. I was raped and and I I told the name of the rapist to my family and uh, about the man was put in jail for one day and one night and released. And three or four days later, he was found dead. And the police informed my grandmother that the man was found dead and that it seemed he had been kicked to death. They said that in front of me. That traumatized me so that I stopped speaking. I thought my voice had killed the man. And I thought if I spoke, my voice might go out and just kill anybody randomly. So I stopped speaking for six years. So I learned to read. And I read every book I could find. And I memorized the challenge now. I was growing up in a little village in Arkansas about the size of this room. And the challenge for a black child not to speak was no small matter because black people believe speak when you're spoken to, especially when I was growing up. But my grandmother was a traditional Southern black lady. My grandmother said, sister, mama don't care what these people say about you must be a moron or you must be an idiot because you can't talk. Sister, mama don't care. Mama know when you and the good Lord get ready, you are going to be a teacher. I used to sit and look at that woman and think, can anybody be this stupid? I mean, what is you talking about? I'll never speak. Um, I'm strong. I have 55 doctorates. My last was from Columbia University. I teach all over the world. So the pressure on me, the the challenge on me, was always mitigated by love. That is to say, it was softened by love. Because my grandmother loved me, my uncle loved me, and my brother loved me, I came through that. I have come through so many challenges because of love. Not romance, not like, not desire, but love, it is the most powerful element on the planet or in the in the universe. In the universe, it may, in fact, be that thing which holds the stars in the firmament, as far as I know, and that thing which keeps the blood rushing in our veins. I mean that that stuff. What did you? Uh, what happened? Tell us the
0: moment. I mean, six years being on mute. Yeah. that's a that's almost an eternity for some people. So. Tell us about the moment when you realized that you would not be this way. Forever? Forever. Take us back.
1: (laughs) Well, I read, there was a black lady in my town, Mrs. Flowers, and she would take me to the school, black school, and there was a library. It was one room. It seemed to me thousands of books. I realize now that I have more books in in two of my libraries my private libraries now than than that. But it seems so many books. She said, I want you to read from here to here, maybe from A to E, read every book. So I read everything. And since I didn't talk, I mean, I had nothing else to do. I read and I memorized. And she continued, Mrs. Flowers continued, and I had a little tablet. My grandmother gave me like a five-cent tablet, and she took a, her uh, pocket knife and made a groove in a number two pencil and tied a string into that groove, and the other end of the string into the spindle of the ta- of the tablet. So that's how I communicated mm. with anybody. I just Mrs. Flowers for six years uh, tolerated me. And then one day, she invited me to her home. She would always give me tea cookies and and lemonade. She invited me to her home, and she said, Maya, you do not love poetry. So I wrote, yes, ma'am, I do, and I gave it to her. She wouldn't look at it. She said, you do not love it. And she pointed her finger at me. And, you know, among black people, and especially in the South, especially in those times, we don't like that. I mean, we have a phrase, don't put your finger in my face. (laughs) She's right in my face. She said, you will never, I can't even do it to anybody today. She said, you will never love it. Not until you speak it, you feel it come across your tongue, through your lips, you will never love poetry. And I ran from her, I ran down to my grandmother's store, she followed me, she harassed me. How old were you at the time? About 12, 12, 12 years and old, 12 and a half. 12 and a half.
0: You ran down, I you ran. You ran.
1: I, she was taking my my friend from me. Poetry was my friend. And so I ran like the Dickens. And she came down, she pointed her finger at me in front of my grandmother. Now that's some nerve. That's a no-no. But mama let her do it and Finally, she harassed me for about six months. And finally, I went under the store. The the one part of the house of the store was on stilts. And chickens went under there. And it was really soft dirt like powder. And I went under the store. And I tried a poem. And I realized I had left my voice. My voice had never left me. So I started. You began to speak? I began to hold speak. Hold that. Hold that. She began to speak. <laughs>
0: We're in Winston-Salem, North Carolina with Dr. Maya Angelo for TV1's On Point. Thank
1: you for tuning in to this week's episode.